Today, I talked to two documentary filmmakers about their new projects. Oscar-nominated director Maite Alberdi about her new film, The Eternal Memory, and Ella Glendinning on her Biffa-nominated personal story, Is There Anybody Out There? Here's Ella on why she felt compelled to tell her story. I really want this film to kind of humanise disabled people, and I, I think actually that's my main goal when, when talking about non-disabled audiences in particular. And it sounds kind of basic, but yeah, I think that disabled people are so dehumanised, generally speaking, and I think this film shows disabled people being flawed, wonderful human beings in a way that a lot of other films with disabled central characters doesn't. Fasten your seatbelts. It's going to be a bumpy night. I'm going to get that gun of mine, and I'm going to change you from a rooster to a hen with one shot. Some people call me a freak. I hate that word. I don't believe in it. Better yet, I don't believe in labels. You know, I think you're the only girl in the world that can stand on a stage with a spotlight in her eye and still see a diamond inside a man's pocket. Because I'm up at five every morning working my ass off. Does someone want to just tell me to my face you're never going to give me the scores I deserve? Hello and welcome to Girls on Film. I'm Anna Smith and today we're talking to two award-winning documentary filmmakers with new films out. Maite Alberdi joins me to talk about her film The Eternal Memory, which is out this week and is the follow-up to her Oscar-nominated doc, The Mole Agent. The Eternal Memory has already had great success across the film festival circuit, winning the documentary Grand Jury Prize at Sundance. The Eternal Memory is a beautiful and affecting love story, with Maite following veteran Chilean journalist Augusto Gongoro navigate his Alzheimer's disease with the help of his partner, Paulina Urrutia. Maite pairs new footage with home videos and the archives of Augusto's career to craft a delicate account of both individual and collective memory. Here's Maite. Well, Maite, welcome to Girls on Film. Thank you for the invitation. Thank you so much for joining us and for your incredibly powerful, yes, another incredibly powerful film from you. I'd love to know a little bit more about how it came about. How did you first get to know Augusto and Paulina? Well, I was very lucky. I, I know them from all my life because they are very important public television in Chile. And they were, I was still, I was raising his TV programs and were the first cultural program that exists when I was a teenager. And I was sitting in a university at the beginning of his disease and Paulina worked in the same university. And I saw her bringing him to work and it was the first time that I saw a person with dementia that was completely integrated into society and they were trying to be a couple. And Alzheimer was only a challenge, not a tragedy for them. And that approach was very special for me because I, yeah, I usually see people that depend of other that they are putting out of society or completely isolated. And he was on the world, like trying to live a normal life. And in that moment, I approached them, like telling them that I wanted to make a documentary. How did they react when you first approached them? He was very convinced and she was not. And he was the one that convinced her. And I completely understand, understood her reasons. It was like she was a public figure. She know she knew how it's to be exposed uh, to have cameras. So I completely understand her. But 
for him was for me an, a political statement. Like he really wanted to make a documentary and he told to her, I shoot so many people in my life and so many people opened the doors for me to show his own, their own fragility and pain. So why I'm not going to show my own fragility, like um, a film should exist. So, so I am very grateful for that and to have the opportunity uh, to make his legacy film in a way of a person that choose to shoot his last year of fragility that it's very special. It's such a brave choice that he made because he obviously had no idea what was going to happen in the future and what was going to be captured by you. We obviously see in the film very powerfully him sometimes failing to recognise his wife and to understand the situation that he's in. I'm sure there were many moments where he was confused by the camera. And how did you deal with that? I think that he was never... It's incredible how the body remembers because as he was so used to the camera all his life, the camera was never a strange element for him. I shot at people with dementia before many times and for many years and each day that I came back to shoot I have to explain each day what is the camera what are we doing and with Augusto that never happened to me like he always knew that we were making the documentary and he always knew what is the camera and Pablo my DOP that it's my the DOP of my of my all my films what his cameraman in all his program and it was a nice coincidence so they know each other so much too. I think that even when, and the film is a lesson of that, when you think that there is informations that you don't remember, but the body remembers so many feelings and so many things, and the camera was one of that. That's so interesting, isn't it? Did, um, and as you say, you, you'd worked with people with dementia before, but did anything in particular surprise you about the journey that these two people went on and as it as it evolved as you were filming it? Yeah, completely, because I always thought this was going to be a film about Alzheimer in a way and a film about and a film that I will do until he forget her, but that never happened, like for some moment that he forget her, but our moments, like in general. He, he always remembered her and he was always in love. And what surprised me, it's that it was a lesson for me about memory. There's a way of the memory that it's always permanent in the body. Like the emotional memory, it's always there. You can see in the film, the pain that he has during dictatorship continue on, it, on him and continue on his body. And he always remembered that. Even if he cannot narrate the details, the events or dates, he knew what did he live and he felt the pain. And it's the same with the love. The love for her, it's always there. He didn't know how many years there are, they have been together, but he knew that she, she was his love. So, yeah, it's, it's a lesson of emotional memory. Yo aquí para recordar quién 
fue a gusto conmigo. <risa> Yo soy a gusto. ¿Y sí. tú qué eres? Yo soy la Paula. Nos conocemos hace más de 20 años. It is such a moving film and thank you for that. Like a lot of people, I've been personally affected by this subject and I was a little nervous about seeing the film. I was worried about how upsetting it might be, but it, as you mentioned the word love, to me it felt very much like a love story and actually really positive in many ways and rewarding watch. What kind of um, decisions did you make about that tone, about striking that balance? Yeah, I think it, it was not difficult to find the balance because for me it was always a love story in the context of Alzheimer, but a love story. And and the tragedy, it can be in the storyline when you listen the word Alzheimer, but, but was not in the reality because the reality has a normal equilibrium, I feel, as in documentary or as in life in general, because we are really used in fictions to have to define a genre and to say like, yes, this film is a drama, this film is a comedy, it's a dark comedy, it's a thriller. And in life, that doesn't happen. Everything is mixed. So of course that they have uh, difficult days, but the day, next day they have a very good day and a very lovely day and they have a terrible night and the next morning he's dancing. So I don't need to construct a balance in the editing, the balance was really in life. And at the end, it's a more likeness equilibrium, dark, darkness. And for me, it's a more likeness film than than a drama. And it's an understanding of a good life at the end with pain and happy days and everything. And But living in a good love and a good way to understand love and take care and pain yes and Paulina is such an impressively patient incredible woman I mean watching this I had so much admiration for her and um, has it brought you close to her uh, you know as friends yeah very close and we have a very intimate relationship and we are very close friends now because there were so many years we, we passed five years together and for me documentaries is a way to share like more than to make a film, like you are experienced life with the people that you are shooting. Like you are also living that reality for so many years that it's became your reality too. You are not constructed. It's not a construction. So yeah. And I choose characters that I wanted to be with. And I choose characters that I wanted to be related with. So yes, I wanted to be friends in a way. Was it hard to get this film made and financed? Because you're obviously also a producer on this as well. Yes, it was, was difficult to get financed for this film because it was a film that you can only understand it in the image. When I describe like, yeah, it's a couple that they are in love, but he got Alzheimer very young. It was not really interesting. Like I got the funds when we were in the editing and I can show the image. And at the first years, we financed ourselves the project. And then the fans came when the images speak by themselves. Right. So, yeah. So when, when people were able to actually see what you were dealing with more vividly, I think perhaps that helped, do you think? Yes. Nos parece muy importante reconstituir la memoria. Es siempre un intento de verse a sí mismo. 
Lo importante es que no me olvides a mí. También necesitamos asumir los dolores, elaborar nuestros duelos. Estoy buscando a mis hijos. ¿Qué me pasa? You were Oscar nominated for the Mole Agent, which, you know, me and everyone I know absolutely adored that film. What learnings and experiences did you bring from that production to the making of this film? Um, was there anything in particular that stayed with you? I think that to make the Mole Agent was completely a way to approach to this story because it was the opposite. Like with the with the mole agent, I I saw people that were completely isolated from society and they were dependent and they cannot be in the world. And I went man that was with the mensha trying to be in the world. And that was for me the model that I want for caregivers and for people with dementia. So I think it was very important for me to pass through the experience. Of, of the mole agent. And you mentioned, you know, how important it is, obviously, how it, how it communicates with people. How has the film been received so far by other Alzheimer's patients, by carers, by the medical profession? I think it's a film that, fortunately, has been very universal. It has been very amazing. And of course, it's very useful for people that work in these issues. But I think it's more a love story than a, a film for of, of Alzheimer's as a niche, I think. And that it's amazing. In Chile, it has been like a, a big box office. It's the Chilean film more seen in the last 10 years. The first day we make more than Barbie. And it was like a hit. And in teenagers and in adults, and it was completely because of the love story. It's not because of the illness yeah that's amazing you were bigger than barbie not many films can <laughs> no, say that yes. congratulations yes, it was unbelievable <laughs> um and as you say it's about the love story and age is is irrelevant to that but for you i mean obviously you've told a few stories about older people is it something you feel passionately about in terms of connecting with audiences and making sure that we see people of all ages represented on screen yeah i think that we we have not been so much representation of all people and we are so afraid to live that age that it's so important to share experience about it. And I think that the cinema is a way to share experience about it and and to understand how to deal with fragility. And it's an age that there are so many ways to live it and so many different situations that we have to explore that and we have to give visibility and and in cinema we are not living it but we're that it's helped us to understand the world are there any other films that have inspired you in this topic you know about older people yeah i love a documentary that it's called dick johnson is dead a psychiatrist that had alzheimer and he planned different ways to die like I love it and, and it has been a very good reference in the tone too because it's humor like and and we're so using fiction so like to treat these topics as tragedy that I think that we have to take out of that place too like that it's very important for me. What's next for you uh, after this? I know you're busy, um, you know, obviously at London Film Festival and promoting this film but uh, what's coming up? I'm working 
on something that I am editing now, but I cannot share it yet. But yeah, I'm, I'm on it. <laughs> well, good luck with that. It's been such a pleasure to speak to you. And honestly, thank you again for making such a powerful um, and moving film. Congratulations again. Thank you very much. That was Maite Alberde. Here's a clip from the film she was talking about there. Dick Johnson is dead. Just the idea that I might ever lose this man is too much to bear. He's my dad. Let's start walking, just start walking to me. That's fantastic. I suggested we make a movie about him dying. (laughs) He said yes. She kills me multiple times. Action! Resurrected dad. Yeah, resurrected dad. But now it's upon us, the beginning of his disappearance. The thing I hate most about my memory loss is that it hurts people's feelings. You know that you woke up in the middle of the night last night. You got fully dressed. Do you remember any of that? No. Yeah. What can we do about that? I don't know. Everybody has to sort of prepare because everybody dies. I love life too much for that. (laughs) Thank you to Maite. Next, I'm joined by Ella Glendinning to talk about her film, Is There Anybody Out There?, which comes out soon. Ella has been nominated for two British Independent Film Awards for Best Debut Director and for the Raindance Maverick Award shared with producer Janine Marmot. Ella has a rare disability and the doc follows her global search for someone who has a body like hers. Here's Ella. Well, Ella, welcome to Girls on Film. Thank you so much. I'm really thrilled to be here. I'm really pleased to have you here. We've I've watched the film twice and got so much out of it each time. And I wanted to say a huge congratulations on the awards you've been nominated for and won so far. And most recently, the Biffa nominations. Thank you. Yeah, I'm yeah, I'm really, really, really excited about the Biffa nominations. I'm really shocked as well. Um, I was in a cafe with a friend, a filmmaker friend at the time, and I was like trying to watch the live stream, but also have a conversation. So I just I thought, okay, I'm not going to watch it. (laughs) I'll wait. And then, yeah, I was really, really happy to be nominated. It feels like a really great award. I don't know if you've been to the ceremony before, but it's like a real celebration of independent filmmaking and really fun. So I'm very pleased for you and really pleased to be speaking to you because not only are you a great director, but you do such a fantastic job of interviewing people in this film. So as an interviewer, I wanted to say congrats for that too. I think your interview style is terrific. Thank you so much. I definitely, I mean, I just look at it as a conversation, I guess. Yeah, I never would have thought I would have been a good interviewer, but I've always just gone in and tried to connect with the person. So thank you. So the film takes some twists and turns, doesn't it? What were your goals with this doc and how did unforeseen events change the course of it? Yes, it does. It certainly takes some twists and turns. My goals, like I always really wanted to shine a light on ableism um, from the film's conception. The main thing I wanted from the beginning was to make a film that communicated the experience of existing in a very unusual looking body, feeling very other in an ableist world. Um, So that was always there. But I first of all, didn't know how personal the film was going to be. And I also did not know that I was going to get pregnant. That was a complete surprise. So yeah, there were twists and turns for sure. That's a bit of a mad one, isn't it? I mean, I know you're very honest in the doc about your surprise and your decision to continue. But for the listeners who haven't seen it, 
what were your thoughts at that point? Were you like, should I stop? Should I carry on? How will it affect what I'm doing? Yeah, I mean, it was not on the cards for me to get pregnant and have a baby by any stretch. I never even really thought about if I wanted a child. Um, and I was in a very new relationship at the time. Me and my son's dad are not together anymore. But yeah, it was like this sort of whirlwind romance. We met on Tinder, um, found out I was pregnant. And, you know, I, I'd already, I'd just really got the, the development funding to make this film. And I was I, so focused on the film and so focused on, yeah, building my career. It turned out to be the best thing ever. But yeah, it was not on the cards. But I remember that I texted one of my exec producers, um, Lisa Marie Russo, who who I'd become friends with when I found out I was pregnant. And I told her and I was like, I don't know what to do. And she texted back saying, the baby is the film <laughs> with loads of um, like baby related emojis. And yeah, and then it became a big part of the story. And I think it made the film richer. Absolutely. Um, There's so much emotion in this film and I felt like you kept us as an audience really close to your journey. Thanks to your honesty, were there any points where you sort of feel like, oh God, am I sharing too much or am I sharing enough? How do you get that balance right? I think that's like the power of having the agency to tell your own story. Like, yeah, as, as a disabled person, having the agency to tell my own story has been yeah, just incredibly freeing and completely necessary to make this film. I wouldn't have let anybody else direct it. I I video diaried almost every day for like four years. And then it wasn't until the edit that I really kind of crafted the story with my editor, Rachel Roberts. So yeah, there were, there were definitely, you know, the film is very personal and it's very exposing on a lot of levels. But being the person who called the shots in, in what actually, yeah, makes makes the cut was very empowering. My disability is so rare, I can't find any proper statistics for it. There is this missing piece of the puzzle in my life. Finding someone exactly like me. I have discovered this group for people with similar conditions. So we're all gonna meet together. Hi. I'm really excited. Who here thinks that I'm a sex symbol? Are y'all kidding me, really, no one? You mentioned earlier that obviously one of your goals was to tackle ableism. And what do you hope people will get from this film? I'm, I'm ho- I think a lot, but in terms of ableism and perhaps helping people to confront their own ableism. I really want this film to kind of humanise disabled people. And I, I think actually that's my main goal when, when talking about non-disabled audiences in particular. And it sounds kind of basic, but yeah, I think that... Disabled people are so dehumanised, generally speaking. And I think this film shows disabled people being (laughs) flawed, wonderful human beings in a way that a lot of other films with disabled central characters doesn't. But yeah, I also really, really, really want it to be a proper kind of battle cry for my my community, I think. And I think that it is. I think even, even more than I was expecting, I think this film really, really speaks to the disabled community. It really does. And tell me what kind of reactions you've had from people who've seen it so far. Yeah, it's been mostly really good. <laughs> so it's it's very affirming because it is so personal and it is so exposing. And there were definitely moments where 
when it first was screened, like the first couple of festival screenings, that's only then did it really hit me how how many people are going to see it and how, how exposing it is for me. I've heard non-disabled people saying that it's been incredibly eye-opening, which is obviously like what I wanted. But also, yeah, the response from the disabled community has, has been beyond my wildest dreams. I've had, yeah, I think... I mean, I've had people saying that it's life-changing and I, disabled people saying it's life-changing and just, like, that they've never felt so seen on film. And that means just... It's just insane. I can't believe it. And it's the best feeling. It's the best feeling. Being disabled in this ableist world is brutal. Growing up, it's definitely a struggle. No one's ever wanted to be like me. Not even I wanted to be me. I get laughed at everywhere I go. Is there ever going to be a point when it's not going to matter? I used to imagine myself in the future as better. And at some point, you just realise this is it. People want improved appearance. With surgery, we could lengthen the bones. But you're not a candidate for lengthening. Usually, we do that at age three. Gosh, you know, I got emotional a lot watching this film, and I'm feeling quite emotional now, now that you've said that. There's a great scene where you meet Priscilla. Can we talk a bit about that? Because I, I felt... This speaks to quite a few things you've touched on. One, just just like hanging out. And I, I love that you share, I really want to get pissed with her, but I don't know if, you know, if, if Americans have the same kind of drinking culture that we do. And when she offers you a glass of wine, it's just a joyful moment. And then and watching you connect was brilliant. But then also out of that conversation came some very interesting, I thought, memorable lines, um, such as being disabled is a good way to weed out the assholes. Yeah, no, it's true. And I, I mean, meeting Priscilla was... Yeah, it was amazing and it was very it was very surreal actually. I, I suppose I I didn't yeah, I didn't know what to expect, but simply meeting someone with sh such a shared experience of existing in the world, you know, she's got such a similar body to mine, she gets around in the same sort of way that I do and experiences the same sort of ableism and prejudice that I do. So, it wasn't kind of a fireworks moment for me meeting her. It was more like it was like I felt home with her instantly I felt at home and yeah exactly I mean I, I've already you know I've always had disabled friends or I have for certainly in my like my late teens and and early 20s is when I kind of formed a really close-knit group of disabled friends um so I already had that kinship and I already had that like shared experience to a degree but finding someone with a body like mine it was a whole different level your parents it's interesting that you speak to them in this documentary and they, they're speaking directly to you, which is such an intimate thing, I feel like, as an audience that we're experiencing. How did they feel about the documentary in the first instance when you brought it up with them? Yeah, I think they thought it sounded cool and interesting, but they weren't like, you know, hugely involved. And like me, they didn't know, they didn't know where it was going to go exactly. I think they were probably... Yeah, they're definitely both surprised <laughs> with how well it's doing now. The fact that it's been in, in Sundance and all over the world in festivals and that it's being released in cinemas. I think that's, yeah, that's, you know, wild for all of us. But yeah, they were really, really supportive. And I also, I kept them, you know, in the loop um, the whole time. And when it came to including them in the film, I, I was very, very... Um, stringent about making sure that they were comfortable with what I was including and I feel very very grateful that they were they were really 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 supportive. It's interesting that you kind of start 
with your childhood and some, I would say, very relatable kind of childhood moments and, and footage and such. You mentioned the edit before. Can you talk to me about that decision, about that sort of entry point for the viewer? My dad videoed everything when I was a kid. He took lots of home videos to send to his mum of me and, and him and stuff in our lives together. To be honest, I had all this beautiful video footage that he took and I and I thought it would be crazy not to include it if I was going to make a personal film but also I'm you know I'm really interested in childhood even before I became a mother myself interested in like the vulnerability of of childhood and what children have to offer and stuff and I think then having my own child like his innocence is something that's just so beautiful to me of course then there's the conversation about disabled children having surgery and stuff. So yeah, childhood just felt very relevant to the film and to the story that I was trying to tell. We thought we'd make you a film of our everyday lives. So this is it. Okay. Come on. Oh. Whoa. <laughs> I grew up in a village called Elsing. It was quite magical. Shall I skip? I was born without hip joints and very short thigh bones. Your diagnosis happened on our first scan. They had never seen this before. That was scary. It does feel like a big part of it, actually, yeah. In the contemporary interviews, can you tell us a bit more about your cinematographer and how together you got the people that you were meeting to relax in front of the camera? Yeah, so my cinematographer's name is Anne-Marie-Line Verco, and she's amazing. She's very, very experienced and just, like, but so, so, so talented as well. So... And and I mean that in the sense that, like, obviously she's very technically skilled, but more than that, I'm quite a private person in a lot of ways, surprisingly. We met and we clicked. I remember because I was, yeah, I was, like, pregnant when I first met her, just, like, still absorbing that shock. And she's got kids. And, yeah, she was local to me, so we were sort of, yeah, we were sort of set up on a filmmaker date type thing. And, yeah, I just had a really good gut feeling about her. And then, you know, she basically followed me around with a camera for four years, but she just never got under my feet. Like, I barely had to direct her. She's so instinctual, and she just got the project and got me. And, yeah, it was a really, really blessed relationship, I think. What were the difficult and challenging moments? I mean, there must have been a lot making this film, but are there any particularly stand out that you wanted to speak about? Uh, I don't know about any specific moment, but I think my biggest challenges were mostly worrying about offending people. I was really, really worried that my film would hurt parents of disabled children in particular. I didn't want that, but I also wanted to give the disabled community a voice in a way that we don't tend to be given. Yeah, I guess the other challenge was choosing how personal the film was going to be. And as I've said, it, it turned out to be incredibly personal. But yeah, most of the challenges were like in my head, I guess. Right, that's interesting. Yeah, about how it was going to be perceived. And yeah. Um, what would you say are your proudest moments with this film? When you watch it back, I mean, obviously all the awards but in terms of what you've achieved here on screen? In terms of the film itself, my proudest moments. Um, I love all the scenes with me and my friend Naomi, who's autistic and is one of, yeah, one of my wonderful participants. Um, she's one of my best friends and I am so grateful to her because she was really, really forthcoming about her experience of ableism and disability. And I just think... There's, I've just not seen another film where you see 
to disabled people just like having that sort of discourse about about ableism and yeah so I'm really proud of that because it feels like kind of a first I guess I'm also I guess I don't know about proud but the fact that you see my son's birth on film (laughs) I I love that I love that I've documented that and that he's going to get to see that because it's really beautiful and it's unconventional and it's not it's not the dream like I dreamt of having a natural birth because of my disability I wasn't able to do that and I have this beautiful cesarean birth and I'm yeah I'm proud of kind of flying the flag in that way. You have broken quite a lot of new ground on this film. You should be very proud. And it's interesting. I love the scenes with Naomi as well. And I thought your conversations were fascinating because, you know, they're not something that I've ever been party to. And I think I learned something listening to your just very frank conversations with each other. There are, you know, we're girls on film. There are a lot of female voices in this film. Is that something that you um, did consciously or just naturally because, you know, you, there's a, a number of women in your life or women that you met in the course of this film? Yeah, I don't know. I think it was I think it was a bit of both. The, the film team was very, very, very female. Um, yeah, I had my, my amazing producer, Janine Marmot, and then, as I said, cinematographer Anne-Marie Lean Verco. And it was literally just us for a while. Like, that was the crew, you know. Um, and, and that was amazing. And I felt so safe with them. So I, I think, yeah, like, the, the way that I would pick people to work with, I do prefer to work with women, just as a general rule. Um, when I was, yeah, interviewing editors and stuff, I, I felt yeah I felt good and safe with Rachel um Rachel Roberts the editor so it's a bit of both I mean it's mostly just instinctually what feels right to me I think are there any films or tv that have inspired you I know we've spoken about how rare it is to see something like your film and that is unique but anything you have watched in the past where you felt they've got the portrayal of disability right or at least somewhere in the right arena Yes, not enough by any stretch. I'm actually going to talk about something that has not been released yet, has actually not finished shooting yet. But the first thing that springs to mind is I've got a friend called Kyla Harris. Um, She's one of my closest friends. She's a writer um, and she has just written a series for the BBC called We Might Regret This, which she's starring in, which is like a a comedy drama about her and her relationship to her PA and just her life. So she's, yeah, she's a wheelchair user. And I'm so excited about it. I'm working on as an access coordinator at the moment, but yeah, I'm just incredibly excited about this. I think it's going to be completely groundbreaking. So everyone must must keep, yeah, must watch it when it comes out. That sounds really good. Do you feel like with work like hers and work like yours that the tide is turning? I know there's a great deal more work to be done, but do you feel like uh, audiences are more receptive and, you know, the financiers, the film financiers, etc.? Yeah, I really do, actually. I think that, um, I think it's a good time to make work as a disabled person. I'm now writing my first fiction feature film for the BFI, um, which also kind of centres amazing disabled characters. I think it's definitely disability is something that people are talking about. We've been left out of the like diversity conversations for so long in the industry. And I feel like a shift is happening. And who knows if it's just going to be fleeting. But also, you know, I'm going to take advantage of any positive discrimination that I can <laughs> and try and keep making this sort of work. Well, I hope you keep making it because because we absolutely love watching it. And I know we have some young filmmakers with disabilities who listen to Girls on Film. So have you got any advice for them? Oh, God. Oh, I'm so bad at advice. My advice always feels really generic, but I also think it is like the 
best or it's, it's, you know, what's got me through and what keeps me going. And it's just to, yeah, like really, really, really listen to your gut and tell stories that are personal, even if they're not quite as personal as my documentary. I think tell stories that are really from the heart and from your true experience. Like for me, I... I will never, I don't think I'm ever going to make a film with like a, with a non-disabled central character. I almost know I won't because for me, that's not authentic. That's not my experience. And I'm just very excited by authentic disabled storytelling. Brilliant. Well, keep doing it. And thank you so much for joining Girls on Film. And best of luck with the continued success of Is There Anybody Out There? I'll hopefully I'll I'll see you at the Biffers as well. Yay, that would be lovely. Come and say hello. <laughs> I definitely will. I definitely will. Thank you so much, Ella, for your time. Thanks so and thanks much so much for, for joining me. Girls on Film. Thank you so much. That was Ella Glendinning talking about her film, Is There Anybody Out There? Thank you to both Maite and Ella for joining me for this documentary special of Girls on Film. UK listeners can watch Maite Alberti's The Eternal Memory in select cinemas from the 10th of November 2023. Ella Glendinning's Is There Anybody Out There is released in UK cinemas and at home from the 17th of November 23. Another great doc out now from Conic is Smoke Sauna Sisterhood, a powerful watch set in an Estonian sauna. You can read my review on timeout.com. Uh, the film is in cinemas now and available on demand from Jan 24. You can find out more in the show notes. Girls on Film is an HLA production brought to you by executive producer Hedda Archbold, producer Lydia Scott, audio editor Emma Butt, intern Charlotte Matheson. And a huge thank you to our partners for this episode, Dogworth for The Eternal Memory and Conic for Is There Anybody Out There? I'm Anna Smith. Thanks for listening. what you do next that matters.